Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Rick Stroud with Joey Knight. We're here at Raymond James Stadium uh, as we do this podcast, and the Bucks have just lost to the Green Bay Packers 14-12 to in a game they probably had no business winning anyway, Joey. But listen, uh, Tom Brady drives them 89 yards. They get the one-yard touchdown to Russell Gage. It looks like they are a two-point conversion away from tying this game, sending it into overtime with just mere seconds left. And then comes a delay-of-game penalty, in that situation, which can never happen, and we've kind of looked at this. They broke the huddle sort of late, 12, 11, 12 seconds. They line up. Russell Gage is not on the field. He might have gotten nicked up a little bit on the touchdown pass. And you have Cole Beasley as kind of being repositioned by Tom Brady. He gets down to three seconds. He's clapping his hands, and the ball's never snapped. Move it back to the seven. He throws incomplete to Gage, and that's the game. And the the bigger the, the macro story is this – Team cannot score a touchdown. This is only the third touchdown in three games, one per game. That's the bigger story. Uh, the smaller one is that what the hell happened on the goal line? I mean, we still we still don't know, but it's kind of em- emblematic of what this season has been on offense. You know, I, I had all set to write, Rick, about Russell Gage. Uh, Russell Gage's redemption, his day of atonement here in the in the waning seconds of this fourteen to twelve defeat. He catches uh, the one-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady with 14 or 15 seconds left. Ball's thrown a little bit behind him. He reaches back and snags it with a tweaked hamstring and all, and you're ready to ride okay. This is is a day of atonement for for Russell Gage. He did have a career day, 12 catches. That's his best as an NFL player. But like you said, it turns out that little sequence is just kind of a microcosm of the day, it doesn't turn out to be a, a, a day of redemption. It's a redemption becomes a, a moot point um, based on that. What ensued the screw up on the two point conversion try. They get pushed back five yards and then Tom has to roll out. Um, didn't look like a very well organized try from the seven yard line. And he throws and the ball's de- deflected at the at the line of scrimmage. It's kind of aimed toward Gage in the back of the end zone. I don't think he would have gotten it. But again, it's a moot point. But, you know, what could have been, what could have been just a, uh, a glorious finish uh, turns out to be all moot because of a mistake at the goal line, delay of game that was our microcosm of this game, a game full of miscues, turnovers, um, bad blocking assignments, fumbles, Bucks really had no business being in this game, Rick, except for that elite defense, which kept them in it. Well, that's true, and we'll talk about the defense, which is not blameless because they have now started games allowing uh, you know, first drive points. In this case, with Aaron Rodgers, it was a touchdown. In fact, listen, the Packers should have been up 21-3 to in the second quarter. Um, they score a couple of touchdowns. They're driving. They have the ball, and then uh, there's a fumble. Um, 
that's caused by Vita Vea on Aaron Jones that rolls into the end zone and Logan Ryan recovers in the end zone. They're going up 21 to three at that point. One of the biggest breaks of the game. That's really the only reason why the Bucks were in it. They were able to get that turnover. Uh, and, you know, their defense in the second half was stellar. I mean, they, they really did, um, you know, have forced a lot of three and outs, you know, had a, uh, an interception Logan Ryan did. So two turnovers for him, but they're not blameless. And, and, and that's just kind of the way it's been, you know, throughout the season. But, listen, the, the, the bigger story, and, and I don't know, you know, when we watch them play the Dallas Cowboys, you figure, well, it's the first game. They won by 16. They, they only scored one offensive touchdown and that great catch by Mike Evans. But you feel, you know, going on the road to win an opener in Dallas when you didn't play much in the preseason, you kind of chalk that up to, well, these guys will get better, right? They'll get better. They had a new offensive line. And I think the new offensive line is part of this for sure because I think they're trying to protect guys. They didn't have their left tackle, Donovan Smith. And Brandon Walton, bless his heart, hung in there, but he also had a holding penalty. He had a false start and gave up a sack. So that's kind of the triple crown there for him. Um, but it wasn't a disaster by any means, but he just wasn't great. Uh, it, but at the end of the day, uh, I think now, you know, it's whether it's the style of play – now, they had to throw the ball a bunch because when they did try to run it and they didn't run it very much, they weren't any good. They couldn't, they couldn't establish anything on the ground. So they were constantly behind the sticks. Um, you know, they were, they were third and eight, you know, third and nine, third and ten. And those are too hard of conversions to make in an NFL game to expect to have any success. But I'm still wondering, with this Todd Bowles coach team, I don't know if it would be much better with Bruce Arians. We know the no-risk-it-no-biscuit guy probably would have thrown the ball down the field more. But look, do you chalk this up to the fact that their top three receivers were out of this game and they still were here with a chance to win? Or do you just say there's something deeper going on um, philosophically that that has to change with this offense? It's a great question. It's a great philosophical question going forward. But you know, I'm I'm looking at the stat sheet right now, and there are some facts that just stare out at you. You and our colleague John Romano were talking about this right before we came on to do this podcast. Who has Brady always had in his corner? You know, who's who has he always been flanked by? Well, versatile tailbacks, good tight ends, good small slot receivers, and right now he doesn't really have any of that outside of Leonard Fournette, who did not have a great day, 12 carries, 35 yards. I think he had five catches, five short catches. But outside of that, they're not getting anything from the tight ends. Cameron Brate had five catches today, and I think that was double what mm-hmm. the tight end position totaled in the first two games. You know, Cole Beasley, bless his heart, he signed with the practice squad on Wednesday. And, you know, if he had a full training camp and a full preseason, he'd be a serviceable option. But he came in and gave him what he had. He had three catches. He caught a critical fourth down catch on the first possession of the game. But right now, you know, you you talk about no risk it, no biscuit. I'm not sure they could do that right now with the offensive line they have. I, I, I don't think they can protect Tom adequately enough. So the things that we've seen Tom have in the past, like a James White type tailback, a a Wes Welker type slot guy, a Gronk type tight end, they're not on this team. And the components that he does have, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, I, excuse me, Mike Evans, they're either suspended or not healthy right now. As a matter of fact, uh, Julio Jones, we found out before the game, there was a report by Jay Glazer, torn PCL, 
Todd Bowles said he could have played today, but they want to protect him. They want to protect him going forward, and it's looking good that he'll play next week. But right now, those guys aren't available, and the, the plain, brutal truth today is Tom didn't have a lot of weapons. He didn't, and and I I would agree with that, except for the fact that they also only scored one touchdown against the New Orleans Saints and one touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys when they did have some weapons. Now, all that said... When we talked to Cam Braid after the game, and you mentioned, you know, Cam uh, doubled the tight end production for this year and then some. Um, but we asked him, like, you know, you, you're frustrated as an offense. I mean, the defense, look, not perfect, but playing pretty dang well when you when you consider you held Aaron Rodgers, you know, to, to just two touchdowns in the game. Um, having said that, uh, Braid said, yeah, you, you know, how could you not be frustrated? He said, you're, gonna win, you're not going to win a lot of games scoring a touchdown a game. Uh, we've got plenty of talent to score points, and when you're not doing it, it just kind of snowballs. He says, you feel the pressure. It's hard. We've just played terrible on offense the first three games. I guess we ran the ball well in Dallas, but the past two, we didn't play well at all, and the defense played well again. They forced some turnovers. They made some great third down stops. I'm sure they're frustrated with the offense. We're not pulling our weight, so we've just got to figure it out. Well, they don't have much time to figure it out because guess what? Here comes the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and and I know one thing. They can score the football in the end zone and have done so with the exception of the Super Bowl that they played on this field um, a couple years ago, Super Bowl 55, when they didn't score a touchdown. So that was uh, an oddity for them. But listen, um, here's the thing. Is Rob Gronkowski walking through that door tomorrow? Um, So you got to play with what you got. What I don't understand about this, and I'm sure we'll talk to Byron Leftwich, who always maintains, I'm just trying to do what it takes to win the game. But you're going to have to start getting more guys involved. And I know he doesn't, you know, obviously he doesn't trust Rashad White just yet. But, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn was active in this game and never got a touch. Um, you know, and, and you, you do hope, you know, the Bucks do hope to get some receivers back. But at the end of the day, you know, they're not playing many guys. I mean, they're just not, you know, there's not a lot of guys getting a lot of looks, a lot of touches. And the ones that are playing, you're not getting much production from. Scotty Miller continues to kind of not really show up. Um, you're just wondering, you know, where where these these penalties, these, these yards are going to come from. We did see Kyle Rudolph on the first drive. Guess what? He caught a ball, and, and it was a nice play. And then I didn't see him again after that as a target. So... I don't know if it's, you know, we got to get our guys back or we got to make better use of our guys because there's a lot of guys that aren't really contributing anything right now. I think it's pretty clear that the Bulls regime wants to establish the run a little bit more than they have in previous years, if for nothing else than to protect Tom Brady's 45-year-old arm for the course of an 18-week season. And you just touched on it, Rick. Leonard Fournette was the only tailback to touch the ball today even though Keyshawn Vaughn was available. Rashad White, though he's been a little underwhelming the first two games, he was available. He didn't carry the ball. I I don't understand that. I I don't have an answer for you. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, one catch. He had that one catch on the day for 12 yards. We didn't see him again. He was not targeted again. I I, I don't understand it. Um, This is not sustainable. Uh, We knew that they were probably going to play a lot of close games and they probably will over the course of this season but what we're seeing right now clearly is not sustainable and I don't have the answer particularly at that running game uh you know you wrote about it in uh Sunday's 
Tampa Bay Times about just how much of a workload they can put on Leonard Fournette's 26-, 27-year-old shoulders. He, he ranks second among all NFL running backs in touches coming into this game. And let's see, he had, uh, he had 17 more touches today, so I think that puts him well over 60. I mean, that's not going to be sustainable over the course of, of 17 games, and none of these other guys are around. They're, they're not visible. They're on the sideline. They're in uniform, but they're not playing. I don't have an answer for you. Well, Todd Bowles didn't have many answers either, and we talked to him after the game. He just said, you know, you can't get to delay a game, that sort of thing. But he did, he did make it clear that he didn't think it was necessarily – simply because they were without their top three receivers. You know who else didn't have all their receivers was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, And he made good use of some younger players, uh, particularly to start the game. You know, so if Aaron Rodgers can do it, and, of course, those two running backs did run the ball pretty well, especially um, early in the ball game, I think the defense certainly played better the second half. But what Bowles said was, you know, about – you got to be concerned. You've scored one touchdown a game in each of the three games. He goes, it's concerning. You know, it's concerning. We didn't have those guys in. We didn't have those guys to win this ball game. But or we didn't have to have those guys to win this ball game. We just needed to play smarter. We weren't waiting for anybody to come onto the field and save us. Uh, we had chances to win this game. They played a good ball game. They took care of the football for the most part. Talent had nothing to do with the way we shot ourselves in the foot. That's true to a degree. Um, the turnovers were. Very costly. And they came from Russell Gage, who you mentioned had a career high in catches. He's not been in this position with Tom Brady before. A lot of this you would just expect over time. But, you know, these days there's no preseason. They had exactly one um, series in the preseason together. Russell Gage missed most of the practices in, the, in training camp. He hasn't really – he's been questionable all week, and yet he was the healthy guy – that was out here that Tom Brady was leaning on. He needed to be wide receiver one, and he did make a great touchdown catch and did some nice things. But as Bull says, you put the ball on the ground, that erases all of it. it You know, it doesn't matter what you've done to that point. And they can't turn the ball over. They had been a plus four. Now that's starting to go the other way. Um, I, I just don't, I don't know if this is going to continue if you see a way of them fighting out of it, you keep thinking the offensive line will get better. Uh, they didn't have Donovan Smith. I don't think that can be overlooked, you know, because Brandon Walton had a rough night. Yeah. And that contributed to, you know, whether it was a false start, a holding penalty, or a sack, which he did all three, um, that puts you further behind the stick. So there's a number of reasons why they're not together. And I think the biggest one is it's too much change too much different personnel, and now with the injuries and the suspension, they just couldn't overcome all these moving parts. They're not doing anything well. They ran the ball well against Dallas. Since then, they haven't run the ball well. I'm not sure where you begin other than they need to protect Tom Brady somehow, and I think that's why they lean on the run. But today, he threw the ball as much as he's thrown it in most games. 42 42 attempts, and I just don't think ideally – that's what they want, and they're going to have to get in sync at, at some point. But I just don't know where they're going to get in sync at, Rick. You mentioned it. The Chiefs come to town this upcoming Sunday. Then you got a home game against Atlanta. Presumably that's winnable. And then, if I'm not mistaken, you turn around, you got the Steelers and the Ravens in pretty short order, and the Steelers are on the road. 
So, you know, if they're healthy at that point, I don't know where, you know, where these adjustments and and just getting on the same page and developing this clairvoyance and cohesion comes into play. It's going to be very difficult. If, if you want to talk about, if you want to make a little segue and talk about positive things, and I, I kind of tweeted this out, you know, I don't know if I'd call him the team MVP at this point, but I'll tell you what, the rookie punter, Jake Camarda, oh, yeah. he would get some votes. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he averaged 49 and a half yards on six punts today. He pinned, uh, he only pinned one of them inside the 20, but he had that booming 62 yarder when they, when his heels were on the goal line. And kind of, I think that prevented Green Bay from scoring. I don't think they mustered anything on, on that drive. That guy has been sensational so far through three games. Yeah, I mean, special teams is the one area where they've been solid. Ryan Suckup has missed one field goal. He had two from 45 yards in this game. Um, that's been the balance of their scoring. He's certainly their leading scorer at this point. Um, so, there, you know, there's that. There are some things they're doing well. I don't, I don't know other than, you know, the wins over Dallas and New Orleans today don't look as impressive as they did when they were when they won them. In other words, you went into Dallas opening night, lots of excitement. Dak Prescott is your quarterback, and the defense played terrific. Take nothing against away from them, but I don't know how good da- the Dallas Cowboys really are. And then you play the New Orleans Saints. Well, guess what? Jameis Winston is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. And he, it continues to be the Jameis Winston we saw, even though he had a couple interceptions, one batted in the air, um, another one was sort of a desperation heave. The Saints lost again, and they lost at Carolina, which was a winless football team. And so I look at those two wins now, and I go, yeah, all, you know, you, you don't throw them back. There's no bad wins. But I'm questioning, like, how good either of those teams really are. We're going to find out in short order what those wins mean. Again, you got the Chiefs coming up, and Atlanta, I think, won today, Rick. You know, I I don't, you know, I still think that's very winnable. I don't think it's a gimme. And then, you know, Pittsburgh, we know what that place is like. You know, Mike Tomlin coach team is always going to play their guts out and leave them on Heinz Field. And then the Ravens come here for a Thursday night game. I may be missing another game here in between them, but we're going to find out the validity of those two early season wins in, in very short order. And now you talk about, you know, we were just talking about this before the podcast started. You talk about a team trying to de- develop an offensive rhythm, trying to find its offensive identity, trying to get people healthy, and now you have to maybe do it in the middle of a potential storm. Sure. They, they may have to get out of Dodge for a few days, and that, yeah. that could just throw things in all kind of upheaval. Yeah, it's it's more disruptive, and we went through that a couple years ago, three years ago. It was a disaster, not just because of the hurricane, which narrowly missed a direct hit on Tampa Bay. I think that was uh, Irma at that point. Um, and I remember they were going to play the Minnesota Vikings the next week and, and talked about this team going to Minnesota and practicing at the University of Minnesota prior to that game. And what ultimately ended up happening was um, – they chartered a plane to Charlotte for a number of the staff and players and their wives, but a bunch of other guys were just sort of on their own. Some of them chose to drive to Savannah or Atlanta or just out of the way. Um, and and I think your wife might have experienced this recently, but when hurricanes come, people panic, and they have emptied the gas tanks. And so after that hurricane passed and there was some, some major damage, obviously, that it did um, – People were scattered throughout, and the players had trouble getting back to Tampa because 
they were running out of gas on the highway and couldn't find it. And there's nothing, you know, more panicky than being on I-75 and realizing that no matter how far the exit is, there's either a line that you're not going to be able to, to sit in because you're out on fumes or there's no gas at all. So um, I don't know what the Bucks plan is. We'll find out today um, on Monday what, what Todd Bowles and, and his group want to do. But if you look at the forecast, we're looking at a Wednesday night, maybe a Thursday morning type storm. And, that, and those are the two busiest work days yeah. of the week for the, for the NFL teams that play on Sunday. And that game is also here. So depending on how direct this hit may or may not be, you're going to have emergency services that are stretched thin. You may not be able to play a game here. Um, you know, we just don't know what condition Tampa Bay will be in. And in the meantime, if they're going to work, it's probably not going to be over at, you know, the, the Advent Healthcare Center. It's probably going to be someplace else out of harm's way. So all of that is, is a factor. And, you know, God forbid they move this game to Kansas City because that would make it even harder on the Bucks. I would think some neutral site would be more fair. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen. And that's part of an NFL season. You have to overcome these types of adversities and things. And right now, um, it is not really a good feeling walking out of here. I mean, listen, as long as you have Tom Brady, you have a chance. And I have seen him frustrated before. I've not seen him look as hopeless as he did after this game. He basically said there was nothing we could do. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't convert on third down. We didn't run the ball particularly well. We turned it over when, when we were moving it at all, and we only got in the end zone at the end of the game and then had the, the, a delay a game penalty on a two-point conversion um, that just took them out of everything that they were trying to do in terms of tying the game. You consistently said that they just don't have it today, and yet there it was, 89 yards when they really needed it from the greatest quarterback of all times. I know what the Packers were thinking. They were thinking, look, we've, we've hung in this game all day, and he's going to do it to us. He's going to come back. He's going to score in the end zone. You know what it reminded me of? Although it didn't, it didn't work out that way, um, the last time they were on this field for a regulation game was the Rams, and they got the two-point conversion, but there was too much time, and then the Rams went down the field, got the big plays, the Cooper Cup, and kicked the, kicked the field goal to win the game. All right, let's uh, – before we, I want to segue here a little bit and shift to some college football talk, and, and then we'll uh, probably have to have to vacate Raymond James Stadium here pretty quickly. Check out our sponsors because, you know, even though it's getting to be end of September, it's still hot outside. That means your electric bill is going up. We have a solution for you. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Now, there's a lot of these fly-by-night companies, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection all for all your appliances. That right there, that's the May difference. If you visit the Hudson Showroom, May Electric displays all its products and conducts on-site testing. You'll see exactly what they install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your life and the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, college football. Um, I'll start with the Florida game, which 
was a terrific game, I thought. And, and listen, Tennessee has it going, and their quarterback was, was fantastic. Uh, that was a great atmosphere up there in Knoxville, and they had lost like 15 out of 16 to the Gators. So they were ready uh, and up in the bit. And yet, credit Anthony Richardson. Those guys hung in there. Um, you know, it, it, it came down. Really, uh, they had a chance to win. I didn't understand – Billy Napier, they score a touchdown, and it's going to be, you know, essentially a one-score game uh, with a field goal if they kick the extra point. There's time running out. They're going to need some help. But he goes for two. I, I still don't understand, like, why you would go for two thinking, well, then a field goal would win the game. But in, in essence, when you didn't get it, now you need a touchdown to win the game. And they had the ball and a chance to get in field goal range. Yeah, but that was about the only botch I saw from Billy Napier in that game. I thought I – thought he called a very crafty, good game. I was really, uh, you know, if I'm a Gator fan, I was really encouraged to see the, the step that Anthony Richardson took through his two first, two, first two touchdown passes of the season. He was not overwhelmed by the moment uh, by any means. You know, I, I think this is kind of a, uh, something that the Gators can hang their hat on. You know, there's no such thing as moral victories as the University of Florida. And like you said, they've owned the University of Tennessee for the better part of the past two decades, but they were going into a snake pit, and Tennessee was due, and that place was just rocking. And I've been there, Rick. You've been there, too. And there's few places on the planet louder than, than that place when, it, when it's rocking and Tennessee's got it going. So, uh, you know, it was, if I'm a Gator fan, I was, I was encouraged, you know, disappointed but encouraged by what I saw from the quarterback, from the head coach, from the defense, that was a little hamstrung, you know. Um, I, I think it's something they can hang their hat on going forward. I know this is their first 0-2 start in conference play since 1986, but let me tell you about that 86 team. It ended up beating Georgia, Auburn, and Florida State down the stretch. They got a lot better as the uh, season went on, and I think this Gator team will too. Well, disappointed but not discouraged is how you would have described USF when they went to Florida a week ago. Um, and and played them a very good game, and you thought for all the while that maybe this would be the spark that would turn them around, point them in the right direction, make them understand that they can play with the big boys, as disappointing as the loss may have been. But, oh, no, uh, they go to Louisville, and they lay a, an entirely huge egg. And I got to be honest with you, um, I we talked about this on Saturday I was surprised that Jeff Scott didn't suffer the same fate as Herm Edwards on the field the other day. That, you know, that an AD or somebody would walk up to him and say, hey, listen, we got a seat for you on the plane, but not this plane. Um, he's still the head coach, and the feeling seems to be that he is running out of games, just in my mind. I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody at USF. I don't know what their athletic director or their president is thinking. I really don't. Um, but they play East Carolina. And they're just now getting into conference play. And by golly, if you don't have the wins, you better start getting some in the conference because if you can't compete there, you're essentially – this will be the third year uh, with nothing to show for it. I can't understand how a team can go to Florida and play so well and then go to Louisville and essentially not even show up. You know, Rick, I tweeted this out Saturday late in the game. I predicted Jeff Scott would replace Charlie Strong. I thought he would be the guy Michael Kelly, the athletic director, would go after. I think he is a high-character human being, and I sincerely mean that. And he has been an 
outstanding ambassador for this football program. He has done everything right off the field in terms of engaging the community, showing up wherever he's asked to be at, raising money. They had a, a record-setting year in terms of donations. But on the field, it's not working. They're 4-21 and 21 under Jeff Scott. And the game you thought was a turning point, that game against Florida, encouraging where they were probably the better team that night, to turn around and just have a debacle like that against Louisville. Rick, they weren't prepared for Malik Cunningham. The defense was woefully just totally unprepared. They, it wasn't a matter of not stopping him. They couldn't even neutralize him. They were so terribly out of position. It was embarrassing. And then we saw some embarrassing moments down 31 to nothing in the red zone. And instead of going for it, kicking a field goal. I mean, that's right out of the Skip Holtz manual. And then the, the embarrassing thing, them down 28 to nothing and the defense getting a turnover at that point. And then the guys posing for like a picture on the sidelines looked like a selfie. Horrible look. Not much better look was that win against Howard a couple weeks back, an FCS team. They didn't look very good winning that game. And you, you see social media, media footage of them celebrating and hooting and hollering in the locker room. It's it's just, you know, it's a collection of bad looks, bad preparation on the field. It's not working. Um, and at this point, if, if they lay an egg this week against East Carolina, I just don't know how much more sustainable it is. I, people aren't going to come to the games. It's as simple as that. They're sick and tired of, of seeing this product. It, it's, and it, it's very sad, again, because I, I really thought Jeff Scott was the right guy and I'm pulling for him because I do think he's a high-quality human being. But if they, if they go out and it's a double-digit loss to East Carolina and there's no more progress, I, I don't see how this is sustainable. And I think, you know, look, he found himself in a situation where it wasn't ideal. First-year coaches, uh, you know, when he came aboard, the pandemic hit. A lot of things happened, right, that are out of his control. And I think they've had a lot of guys come through the transfer portal. And I'm not sure, Joey, that everybody – now, every team has that, right? Even Alabama has that. But in terms of, like, trying to build and fill and backfill certain positions, whether it's quarterback or, or defense or whatever, those guys sort of have an agenda. And they're, they're sort of coming in as me guys because it didn't work out for whatever reason. And they want a place where they can play and thrive. And they're already – their mind is on their careers and, and their future which is great, but there comes a point where you have to take them and make them into a football team. And for whatever reason, this, they do not play like a team. And, it, it, and it's very easy to point to the coaching. I just think it's a difficult task right now um, with the number of, of new players, you know, the turnover that you're going to have every single year in key positions. Again, that's, that's an excuse. It, it, it doesn't forgive the kind of effort that they showed um, but, man, I would be worried um, if, if I'm a USF fan and, and just looking for just any tangible reason why Jeff Scott has this thing going the right way. And I just think it's it's really, really hard to find right now. So um, we'll see what, what they're able to do against East Carolina, but it's a, it's a huge game for them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Uh, meanwhile, the Rays, they lose again to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and also, they lost their chance to defend their American League East title. They've been eliminated from that. Um, the Yankees haven't clinched yet, but at least in as much as the Rays can't get there. So we'll see if they can bounce back and, and uh, uh, start to uh, make some progress here at the end of the season. Not many games left, that's that's for sure. Uh Remember just uh, to to check out May Electric Solar. If you're looking for a way to save money on your electric bill, you can do it. They have a 30-year labor and services warranty, $750 worth of service protection for all your appliances. Call this energy, the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-282. You can schedule a free estimate and lower your electric bill and start doing that today. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. We will be at the Bucks or on Zoom with Todd Bowles uh, later today. We'll find out what the plan is um, for the hurricane preparation. I hope all of you are preparing yourselves uh, and, and can uh, suitably uh, batten down the hatches and get your family safe and be very careful out there as we navigate uh, yet another one of these storms that are so unpredictable but certainly looks like we're in the cone. So um, make sure you do all of that, and we will be back tomorrow uh, on Sports Day Tampa Bay for Joey night for steve versnick uh, our producer and my co-host thanks for listening have a great day everybody planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.